Hello listeners, on this show I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host Moses Tillman Young and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview my sister, Mary Tillman Young. She is a nonprofit coordinator who created the catering company Meals Are Love that is based in the Dallas Fort Worth area. In our conversation, Mary and I discuss her cooking, business creation, and her company's contributions to her local community. Recording. So, hello, Mary. Uh, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast, everyone. Mary is my sister. Uh, she currently lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and she is both the founder and the CEO of the company Meals Are Love. It is a uh, catering company that offers its services to the local community in order to help provide healthy and wholesome foods for families and uh, and for yourself if you're a single person. So Mary, hello, welcome to the <laughs> podcast. How are you doing today? Good, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today with you. Uh, you're very welcome. So um, now before we uh, started recording, you told me that you had the idea for Meals Are Love at least two years ago. What made you want to start it right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, that's such a great question. So two years ago, originally when I had the idea for Meals Are Love, I wanted to find a way that could bring um, kind of, I guess you would call it like five-star dining right to the homes of everyday individuals. I think that um, there's a divide, um, both um, a class divide, a racial divide um, when it comes to Um, access to healthy and whole foods right at home. And I wanted to be able to provide both delicious and healthy foods at home for people um, without having to have them be very expensive and have them kind of go out of their way um, in order to access those foods. So two years ago, I had the idea um, and I started kind of just with family and friends um, and kind of word of mouth here and there. Um, But it kind of gave me the opportunity to perfect my craft. And as soon as things started shutting down and we all were feeling the effects of the global pandemic, the one thing that remained was the opportunity for people to cook and experience um, great meals in their homes. And because we had lack of access to restaurants and other opportunities, I thought it was a great time to go ahead and incorporate Meals Are Love and to start to bring these experiences commercially um, to anyone who was willing. Well, it sounds as if you're offering a a wonderful service, especially for people who aren't able to um, go out and and go and get their own groceries and prepare meals for them. So it sounds as if you are really uh, doing a a public service. Um, So um, why did you decide to start your business and who would you say you would credit for teaching you your, your skills in terms of your, um, both your cooking and also your uh, business skills? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so two parts, right? The why, I think that there's always going to be a risk, um, no matter when you start a business, right? Whether or not we were in a global pandemic or whether the economy was booming, there's always a certain level of risk associated with starting a new business. Um, my full-time job, I actually work in nonprofit management, and I absolutely love that. Um, and as you can imagine, it takes a lot um, on you just being in the nonprofit sector and working in um, social services. And so I was looking for a time that would both be Um, kind of a slower time now that we're in the pandemic and things have slowed down a little bit. And so it was a perfect time to just kind of go ahead and take the risk, right? Um, A lot of the time that I would normally be spending doing other things, it's not available because of, you know, things being shut down, limited access. And so it was a great time to go ahead and jump in. As far as the business side of things, uh, my older brother, Luke, 
um, is a marketing extraordinaire and a business extraordinaire. He is, he has and owned several businesses. And so he kind of gave me the push that I needed um, from the business perspective and everything from filing my LLC to um, walking me through, you know, getting ready for my first round of taxes um, from, you know, figuring out the best way to market my website and um, the best way to target specific audiences that would all have to be um, from my brother, uh, Luke. And then as far as my skill set, so I think that I learned a lot just growing up um, before you were born uh, when we lived in um, St. Kitts uh, and Nevis in the Caribbean, Deal, Maryland, Texas, um, kind of all over. Um, as you know, mom is a really great cook and she would always cook for the holidays and things like that. And um, I love being able to try the new foods that she prepared, but really the everyday cooking was just the people that we met along the way. Um, so I don't know if you remember Yaya, but she was our Filipino auntie who lived with us. Um, and I remember her teaching me um, how to make the basics, how to make rice, um, you know, and I also remember the shared love experience that we would have over these meals. Um, so along the way, um, learning how to, you know, make carnitas from scratch and barbacoa, those all happened over shared lived experiences. And what I mean by that is every single time I watched somebody make a meal, it always came with a story, right? Um, it was about, you know, the history of their family. It also was about, you know, their experiences growing up and when they learned to make that dish. And I actually, I, I love eating and I love food. And so I was always in the kitchen kind of hanging around the folks that were making our day-to-day -day meals. And that's kind of where I, I grew my love um, for cooking. And I would say too, that there was never a time when I was around someone who was cooking who wasn't enjoying it. And I think that made the, huge, the big difference. It was a way to serve people and a way to show love. Um, hence why I named my company Meals Are Love, right? Um, when you're eating a meal and you're sharing a, sharing lived experiences and getting the chance to kind of commune over a meal, nothing else matters. It's not about your politics. It's not about your religious background. It's not about, um, you know, how you grew up or your political perspective on things. It's just about the food in front of you and the conversation that you're having. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about why and how. Okay. So, um, were there any other mentors besides Luke that you had in terms of teaching you not only just the business aspect of uh, Meals Are Love, but also the meal prep, the cooking? Who, who taught you um, how to prepare food? Yes, definitely. That's such a great question. So I mentioned before that, you know, a lot of it came just through experiences um, and working alongside people in the kitchen, the different places that we lived and the privilege of being able to learn from um, people from different cultures. But the specific skill set of teaching, of um, cooking um, and all of the vocabulary, everything from my mise en place um, to learning how to temper to everything came from my older brother, Noah. So I remember um, my brother was in culinary school and he was the first, I want to say like the first exposure I had to like what professional cooking as far as like presentation and all of that looked like. Um, and he would be preparing for cooking competitions. And so he would stay up all night long, making the perfect, like learning how to make the perfect biscotti um, and different pastry dishes. And I would sneak up at night and we had a, um, a commercial kitchen space and I would go down and I would sit at the counter um, way past my bedtime and just watch him as he worked. Um, he taught me how to chop. Um, he taught me how to slice things, how to do different slices, how to julienne vegetables. Um, and to this day, anytime I'm like, oh, I wonder how I can make this or any ideas for cooking this, he's the person that I call. So I just really wanted to make sure that I got a chance to highlight um, that my technical skills and everything, um, my exposure to even cooking as a craft as far as um, like the actual craft and the, and the career of cooking and, and all of the things that go into it um, are a direct result of him teaching me those things. Uh, Noah, he would, I think the thing that he, he, he always tells me whenever he, uh, he sees me is he remembers talking about um, how much I loved garlic as a baby. <laughs> that I would just yes, love you garlic. loved garlic. Yeah. And I just, he just watched me like cry while eating garlic and he thought it was very like funny and, and it's that I, like I also have a love for for food in terms of 
um, tastes, flavors, combinations, especially combinations, odd combinations, but yeah. now they just work in some uh, funny way. Um, but yeah, that's one of the specific memories that I have of, of Noah um, in the kitchen um, is um, me eating garlic. And how much I love garlic. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Man, I used to sneak up and watch him. I'd be down there for hours, just me and him. And he's like, he would cut the vegetables and throw them away. Cut the vegetables because he was trying to perfect his cut. Uh, oh, my gosh. And he was, I think he was being a, he was starting to be a pastry chef. And so he would do biscotti. He would do all kinds of different pastries. Yeah. So um, you officially started it. I can see on your T-shirt, it says established in 2020. So. Yes. Um, even though you have established your business during the pandemic, uh, what would you, uh, what are, what are your projections for after the pandemic in terms of your um, your clientele and in terms of your expanding your catering service? Yes, definitely. So, Meals for Love is actually uh, catering, meal prep, and a personal chef service. I would say, um, amidst the pandemic, our biggest um, product, so to speak, has been our catering. Um, again, limited access to restaurants and social events, and so people are really um, getting us to come into our homes and to cook inside of our homes and, and provide catering services. Um, I would say that for after the pandemic, um, the goal would be to kind of expand on more of the other services that we offer. So here before the pandemic, we've been doing um, heavy on the meal prep side and kind of providing weekly meals, um, whether it was, you know, um, individual meals for single adults or even kid-friendly meal prep, um, just making meals with whole ingredients that are accessible to families. Um, now, ultimately, the goal would be to expand on Meals for Love um, and to open a restaurant. So that is the that is the ultimate post-pandemic uh, goal. We'll see if that is able to happen. Um, but right now, I think just kind of focusing on catering, which is just, again, I think, I think that's kind of the tricky thing with starting a business, right? There are always these ebbs and flows. Um, originally when I started, I was like, man, like I'm doing all this meal prep, like meal prep is going to take off, but that's not what the audience wanted, right? Like things have changed and now the need is catering. And so we're doing that full fledged ahead, but I'm looking forward to the opportunity ultimately, hopefully post pandemic, um, or if not miss the pandemic, cause I, I never even expected that I would incorporate right now. So you might, I mean, I never know. There might be an opportunity where God blesses us with the opportunity to open a restaurant amidst the pandemic, but that would be the goal post-pandemic. Do you have a location in mind? I do. So I'm actually, um, the cooking, the kitchen that I cook out of now um, is in Garland. It's actually called Revolving Kitchen and it's just a commercial kitchen space where you can rent commercial kitchen and that's where we do all of our meal prep, um, our catering, um, unless we're doing personal chef, then we're inside of people's homes. Um, but I would like to kind of do it in the um, South Dallas area. So a little bit about the Dallas area. There was a lot of gentrification that took place um, in the early 2000s, a little bit pre-2000s as well, um, where a lot of the families that live on the outskirts of the city were pushed out of the city and they started kind of building new infrastructure and new apartments. But there's so much history in South Dallas. Um, there's a huge immigrant population. And it's kind of the center, um, I would say even for Texas and, and its whole, of um, like a huge immigrant population. So you have, um, you know, Middle Eastern immigrants, Mexican-American immigrants, you have, um, you know, African immigrants, like it's just a huge center uh, immigrant population. And so I love the idea that it's bringing whole people together and, and whole cultures um, together. And it's kind of like... I guess you could just kind of say like a plethora almost of just culture and food that meet together. And so I really want to meet people where they are. Um, now in the Dallas area, a lot of like the, um, I would say like health restaurants and um, even just access to fine dining, it's all in the inner city. Um, and unfortunately though, not a lot of uh, families that are in South Dallas area or outside of the city have access to get to the inner city to experience those. And if they do, then it costs an arm and a leg. And so my goal would be to bring a fine dining experience where people get to experience delicious food too, right? I think 
Um, sometimes when people think about, you know, eating healthy, it's just like, man, I'm eating salads all day. It is not that at all. If you look at our Instagram, you'll see that, man, brunch is our thing and it's on and popping from shrimp and grits to bourbon French toast. Um, always trying new recipes, but being able to bring those recipes and meeting people where they are. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, would you say that the services you provide currently, they are, they're mainly catering services. You make the the meal itself at a location and then you would deliver it to the consumer directly. Um, I know that you do, uh, in our discussions, you told me that you've, you, you are doing uh, pop-ups on weekends. Uh, where can people go to uh, look at your, all your food? And it sounds really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, um, so I actually, I, I love doing the pop-ups and that's something that also came out of the pandemic because um, pre-pandemic, it was just kind of like a weekly, again, I was saying like people were taking advantage of meal prep. So, you know, see people once a week on Sundays and deliver meals to them and that was it. Um, but I also wanted to be able to provide an experience where, you know, we're cooped up in the house and there's not much to do that's safe. Um, and so I wanted to provide an opportunity for people to get out the house and kind of feel like they're going somewhere to get something. So we pop, we partner with, um, a company called pop-up DFW. And so you can find us every other Saturday at pop-up DFW. It's located in deep Ellum. Um, and that's where we do our pop-up event. So when you come there, it's kind of like an indoor outdoor, um, not flea market, but just kind of several vendors. A lot of them are African-American owned businesses, um, really great um, companies. Um, and everybody is just doing a pop-up and selling their products for the day. Normally there's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday market. And then there's also different vendors throughout the week as well. Um, and we just, you, you come, you find us, um, ask for meals I love. Uh, I actually, I had a really kind of surreal moment. A few weeks ago, I had a pop-up and I got there and I got there kind of early, you know, we're getting set up and everything, um, which by the way, I have an amazing, amazing team. Uh, my sister, Krista, she bakes what we call Krista's cookies. You can find those on our menu. Um, my brother, Peter, he's awesome. Chef number two, man, he's, he's kind of gunning for my spot. Like he's just cooking his fire. Um, and then we have several other people who help us here and there. Um, my brother-in-law and, you know, my brother's girlfriend and my best friends, just several people who we're just invested in, um, you know, making meals or love more accessible to the community. So we get there and we're setting up and we're getting ready. And there are a few people just kind of like hanging around, um, walking around and the vendors really aren't there yet. We're kind of one of the first vendors. So I asked them, I was like, Hey, are you, um, here to, you know, are you looking for the owner? Like, are you looking for your spot to set up? So like, no, we're ready for meals or love to open. Do you know what, where, where they are? And I was like, what? Like, it was just such a surreal moment um, to just realize the impact that our food has had and, and how much people enjoy it. And the fact that we had people waiting for us to open, that was, a, I, I cried a little bit, a lot of it. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was a really cool moment. So yeah, you can find us in Deep Bellum at Pop-Up DFW Market. So um, what is your most popular dish that you serve? Child. shrimp and grits oh my gosh people love my shrimp and grits um I actually so my favorite thing to make would be anything that's sweet so I love making like french toast we made a loaded french toast so like people like oh my gosh they loved it um but shrimp and grits like people literally will call me up in the middle of the week I had a, um, a lady who called me up and was willing to pay extra for me to drive out um, two cities away just to deliver shrimp and grits in the middle of the week last week um, apparently shrimp and grits is a popping um, and I think too like it's really interesting I love using like a bunch of different flavors and a lot of the flavors are things that I grew up with that you normally wouldn't necessarily pair together um, so like for example um in our shrimp and grits recipe, we use a lot of Cajun seasonings. Um, and then um, like in some of our other dishes, we'll use things like, you know, curry powder and, um, you know, anise and um, cumin and like just different, different flavors that we grew up with. And it's interesting to see how you can introduce something to someone and they can fall in love with it without having ever been um, to the, to the place or, or understanding where it came from. So. So the, Shrimp and grits. So uh, would you say that 
since you live in a, it sounds as if you, you, you um, discussed earlier about um, the different influences of, uh, you have Mediterranean influences, you have Middle Eastern, um, uh, rural African, and also you have different uh, Asian influences. Would you say that um, that immigrant population has in a way uh, been your touchstone in terms of how you cook your food, what flavors to use? Yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, and I think not, I think it's twofold, right? So I think it's definitely like, I love being able to have people take a bite of my food and taste home. So being able to, to take a, a bite of a meal that they normally maybe um, wouldn't be able to have, or maybe it reminds them of a childhood memory. Um, but the moment you take a bite of the food and you're like, man, like I remember, you know, being at home on, on Saturday morning and eating plantain, or I remember, you know, having shrimp and grits um, at the dinner table or, or at the breakfast table. Right. Um, and so I think it's twofold. I think it's it's bringing the experiences that I've had um, and being able to share that with people who may have never experienced those, but then also it's creating home for people and food, creating home in every bite. So what would you say is your ultimate goal whenever you create a dish? So I think when I create a dish, I think about um, what am I bringing to the dish that's going to be different? right? What am I exposing people to? Um, is it a new flavor? Is it even just the presentation of the food? What's going to be different about my meal and what's going to make people feel at home about my meal when eating it? So I'm thinking about the customer experience, but I'm also thinking about what I feel my responsibility is if meals are love. And that's creating delicious food and exposing people also to new flavors that they wouldn't have otherwise experienced um, and making it accessible to people. So do you think that since it took you, since you, um, not, not that it took you, but that you, that you took at the time to think everything out, had an idea two years ago, um, we've had time to really think about it. Do you think that waiting for as some would say, maybe this is a good time and not so good time. Mm -hmm. um, The waiting, being patient, launching a business now has put it further than it would be if you uh, started it either then or had the idea now and started it now? Oh, that's such a good question. So I'd have to say, I think it's a combination of things. Um, So I think that because of my experience and because I took the time, I was really able to thoroughly think through um, all of my ideas. And I also had a client base and real life feedback to protect my skill. So, you know, I've made shrimp and grits and people were like, eh, this ain't it. <laughs> um, and so I had a chance to kind of perfect that skill, right? Um, I've also, you know, made cheesecakes at crack. And I've also, you know, um, tried to make fried bake that was just literally a piece of flatbread. Um, and so I had the opportunity to kind of play with my skill set and improve my skill set. However, especially if you talk to our brother Luke, he will tell you that he's been pushing me to do this for a very long time. I think it was honestly just a personal journey. Um, I think when it it has to do 100% with the pandemic, I think when I looked at the risk of, oh my gosh, it's going to cost X amount of dollars and I want it to be quality, the pandemic forced me to look at my funds in a different way um, and to kind of have better stewardship of my finances. So whereas, you know, normally... Um, there's so many other distractions. I might have been traveling. I might have been, you know, eating out more. I might have been, um, you know, purchasing more products because of the pandemic. It forced me personally, um, to take a different look at my finances and to look at, oh, wow, you know, I'm not traveling and not to say that traveling isn't amazing. And I love traveling, trying new foods, bring them back to you guys. But, um, I think that, because I wasn't traveling or because I wasn't doing those things, I was able to say like, oh, wow, like I am saving this. Like, okay, here's my money to incorporate. Okay. Here's my money to invest in my products. Okay. Here's the way, here's, here's my money to invest in education. Um, so a big thing for me that's really important is just ongoing professional development for myself.
myself. So making sure that I'm communicating with chefs, that I'm learning new ideas, um, that I'm taking courses um, so that I can continue to perfect my craft. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think that the time gave me the time to perfect my skill, but I think a big piece of it was just my fear, my fear of jumping into the unknown and taking the risk. So um, would you say that not just waiting, but also while you're waiting, you're building up your skills that that has mm-hmm. helped uh, to propel your business in this short period of time? Oh, yes. A a thousand, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, And one thing that I do want to highlight, too, is it's not so much waiting, because, again, there's never a perfect time to start a business. Literally never. Right. Like, again, economy booming, um, you know, or, um, you know, economy struggling. Either way, there are always going to be some risks. Um, But I think it's really just about taking the time to evaluate the risk and figure out whether or not it's the right time for you. Um, Extenuating circumstances are always going to be there. But I think taking the, the opportunity to really figure out like, okay, do, you know, what is my, what does my income look like? Can I afford to make this move right now? Can I afford to lose? And that is um, a scary crap right there because um, the idea with the business is that at any time, like I could lose everything, right? It could completely flop. And if it completely flops, like, am I still going to be okay? Am I still going to be able to pay my rent? Like those are real life questions that business owners have to think about um, when starting something. And I think too, just looking at the market again, fortunate enough pandemic hit and people wanted to cook or they wanted um, things in their home. Another thing that we do is virtual cooking classes. And that has kind of really taken off too in the pandemic because people are at home spending time with each other and what is there to do, but to try new foods and to make new things. So um, what are some of the failures you've encountered over the course of launching a business, of of doing business, of even in the the cooking process? What are some of the failures you've encountered and how have you overcome them? Oh, man, those are really, really big. So I think the first thing um, for me was that word failure, right? Like it's, it's packed with so much fear and it's packed with defeat. And I think I had to reframe failure to opportunity. So every time there was a failure, what was the opportunity in that? Um, So (laughs) the very first time um, that we decided to do a pop-up, we we're thinking like literally you pop up. So, you know, we tell people that we're doing it an hour before and it's going to be great. People are just going to show up and eh, it doesn't work like that. Um, I will never forget. Um, we did a really poor job at marketing our first pop-up and we had barely any customers. And I picked up the phone and I called our brother Luke and I was like, this was a lot of fun, but I think I'm going to just uh, call him quits. <laughs> and he was like, I will not let you quit. This is not a thing. We have to work better at it. And I think because when you're thinking about a business, you think about the specific thing that you're selling. So for me, my mind was just on the food. Man, I'm going to make great food. People are going to come. It's going to be awesome. But I think opening a business is so multifaceted. It's packed with so many different perspectives, but also so many different things that you have to pay attention to. So it's not just cooking the food. It's marketing the food. It's not just marketing the food. It's taking pictures of the food. It's not just taking pictures of the food, but it's editing those pictures and getting them on a flyer, right? Um, so that was my that was my first big fail. And I literally, I called Luke and I was like, you know what? Like, this was fun, but uh, I don't think it's for me. And he was like, we're not quitting. Um, and so it was an opportunity, an opportunity to um, be intentional about, um, you know, setting set up, setting aside time to take better pictures of the food, to create flyers, also to network. I think a huge thing, um, especially in the food service community, is just word of mouth and understanding. And I think it's, it's true with any business, right? Um there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. There's somebody else who has started a restaurant before. There's somebody else who has started a catering company before. And why not reach out to them and and get their knowledge and their insight and work together? Um, I think there's such a culture, there's such a competitive culture when it comes to um, starting a business. And I think that's the best way to fail because there's so many, there's so, so much opportunity for collaboration and just to learn 
that I think you're doing yourself a disservice when you don't do that. So I had to learn that as well. Um, so reaching out to, I have a really, really good friend. Uh, her name is Kendra Smith and she is um, Chef Ken Meal Prep and she's out of Houston. And Kendra has been doing this for several years. And so um, part of my starting process was just bringing out times to pick her brain and asking her, you know, where do you order things and how do you do your meal prep? Um, it also took like me reaching out to a lot of people that are connected in the Dallas community and saying like, hey, can you share my flyer? Um, hey, you know, do you have ideas of where I should go? And I think that's been the biggest learning for me is that it's not, it's not Mary's company, it's our company. It's not a me thing, it's a we thing. Um, for example, one of the biggest goals that we have for Meals for Love is every single meal that somebody purchases, we donate a meal. Um, so it's buy one, give one. And that is something that we try to do every single month. We do an event where we give away free meals to the community. But part of that is figuring out, you know, where do we take these meals? Who do we partner with? So I had a friend that I reached out to and she gave me a huge list of, you know, nonprofit organizations that specifically would receive meals in the area. So again, it's just looking at, at things that are technically failures. How do you reframe them into opportunities? So um, you would say that incorporating your skills, incorporating your experiences, drawing on the experience of others, that that helped you in terms of overcoming whenever you had a setback, you said you wanted to to quit right out of the gate. Yes. You know, reflection and also a mentorship helped you to uh, to come back, gather your resources and to, and to go on ahead. Um, what uh, tools, resources have you found to be helpful, both in building your business, your business and also in um, in your meal prep company? A thousand percent. Yes, I a thousand percent agree with that. Um, and it's crazy that you say mentorship because it's funny. Like, again, I just we just incorporated in June. Right. And so it's just been a few months out the gate. But already I've had other people and other friends who have been like, hey, like, you know, actually really thought about starting this business. And now you've inspired me. So how do you do this or how do you do that? Um, and so it's it's crazy just to think that, like, each one teach one. Every time, you know, you learn something, it's something that you're given the opportunity to teach somebody else. So on the business side of things, um, for me, organization is key. I'm a little bit type A that way. And anybody who helps me or knows me knows that I like everything um, a certain way. So um, as far as like payment, receiving payment, um, that's a huge piece of business is just making sure that you're able to both track your inventory as well as um, have payment remitted and keep track of how much you're making, your profit margin and things like that. Um, for payment, I use Square. I really like Square. Um, so Square actually lets you generate invoices, but it's also a live tool, a checkout tool that you can use. It's an application on your phone, but then you can also purchase um, a device, a swiping device. So I, you can take credit cards um, and then you can also purchase an actual stand that, and if you've ever been to any kind of like flea market or pop-up shop, it's, it's really well known nationally and a lot of people use it. Um, but people can also sign, you can also accept chip payments. And so that was really huge for me. A big thing that I like about Square too is you can also track your cash payments. So a lot of times if you're using um, a credit card machine or um, any kind of application that takes um, credit card, you're only tracking your credit card machine or your credit card payments. But with Square, I'm also able to keep track, even though, you know, it is, a, it is um, meant to be able to accept credit, I can also hit cash and then track how much I'm, I'm doing. Then I can also enter in my inventory and it'll slowly show me how much I have left. And so I really like that on that piece of things. Um, with Square too, it can also send out invoices. And so for a lot of our catering, um, our catering gigs, we send out invoices ahead of time. Um, customers are required to pay a deposit by a certain amount of time. You can schedule out reminders for customers to pay. And so I really like that for a payment service. Um, I also use QuickBooks a lot. I like to be able to enter in how much I'm spending. Um, every single time after I, I do a purchase, I take a picture of my receipt and then I am able to enter that into QuickBooks and um, continue to keep track of spending and, and what's happening that way. Um, as far as marketing, 
I do a lot of my marketing through Instagram and Facebook. Um, Facebook, you can, we do have a Facebook page. And actually my uh, little brother, my other little brother, Peter, um, he does all of our, our Facebook marketing for us. And uh, the way it works, he's the subject matter expert on that, but he's able to make posts on our page. We also have a profile. And then we have opportunities here and there where you can like boost your posts and target your audience. So uh, one thing that came out of the global pandemic, but also um, just this current um, awareness or increased awareness of the lack of racial equity in our country is that um, a lot of people are starting to consider reparations by pouring into Black-owned businesses in our country. Um, so in every major city right now, there's something called like your city and then Black-owned restaurants. So for example, there's San Antonio Black-owned restaurants, there's DFW Black-owned restaurants. Um, and for us, that was a huge opportunity for marketing. And so we post in that DFW Black-owned restaurant page. And it's a lot of people specifically looking to pour into Black-owned businesses. And so um, we market that way. Um, as far as like the actual creation of our marketing tools, it's a combination of everything. Um, so it's a combination of using um, Excel, using Photoshop, um, for the quick, like those things that you guys see are flyers that we put on Instagram and stuff like that. For the quick flyers, we use Canva. I really like Canva. It's really user-friendly. A lot of the times you can import your own templates by importing JPEGs and then arranging them um, how you want them. Or they also have additional templates that you can purchase. But there's so much to do uh, with Canva. It's just a really easy way to get our templates up um, and to get our marketing going. Um, and then finally, I think, again, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, just our community partnerships. Um, the tools that we use for that are just uh, making sure that we're communicating with our community partners. But then we have like um, email templates and things like that that we use in order to communicate, you know, when we're going to make drop offs and, and how much and things like that. And then finally, um, my my website, we actually built that on Wix. Again, very user-friendly. Um, and we wanted to use something that I am not um, very technological savvy when it comes to like uh, website creation and the back end of things. And so I wanted to use Wix because it's very user-friendly. Again, lots of dragging and dropping. Um, and I did have um, a friend of mine, Lindsay Palmer, who after I created the, the website and put everything together, she went through with a fine tooth comb and kind of refined everything. Um, she's a graphic designer. She actually designed my logo. Um, and yeah, so those are kind of just some of the tools that I use. And then um, anything that I could and anything that I needed, I really tried to start with other local organizations and local businesses and friends that I know that had businesses. Um, because I think, again, it's not a me thing, it's a we thing. And so if if I am starting something that's for the community, I wanna start it by the community. And what I mean by that is, again, the person who made my logo, that's a friend who's starting up and who's um, you know starting to provide graphic design services. The person who made my shirt is actually my line sister from my sorority. Um, and so just trying wherever I can to start with local businesses so that we can all help each other. So would you say that your business has been a community effort in the fact that it, it is both people um, locally as well as people who are uh, within your your circle, people who know you, because I know that Luke lives out in um in LA, mm -hmm. and so would you say that it is um, a local venture? Meals I love. Uh, did you say that again? A local venture. Local venture, local business. Yes, definitely. But I I think we you hit it spot on when you said um, both local, but I think both national influences too, um, international too, just because of my background, but national as well. Like again, you know, our brother Luke that lives out in Los Angeles, a lot of the Caribbean recipes that I've been doing here recently, you know, my cousin and best friend in New York, she's always giving me recipes and tips and tricks. And um, if you've seen recently on our, on our um, Instagram page, we've been playing around with oxtails and those recipes came right um, from her and some, and some different tips and tricks that she gave. And so I think when you're thinking about like the actual like products and things that are being created, yes, definitely local, but I think we can't limit it to that. I think it's, it's definitely national when you think about all the ideas and, and all the time that people have been willing to spend and pour into me to make it a reality. 
so you said that you had some uh, friends who were coming to you looking for advice on starting their own different businesses. Um, whenever they would approach you and present their their quote unquote plan, um, what would you say are some things that stood out as being glaringly wrong? So I think that people don't, uh, well, a couple things. I wouldn't necessarily call it wrong, but I would say that it's just a misunderstanding. Um, So I think a a huge part of this is um, specifically for the food industry um, in Texas, I'm only speaking about Texas, there's a cottage law. So there are certain things that you're allowed to prepare in your home, but there's certain things that you do have to prepare in a commercial kitchen. And that's the biggest barrier as far as people who are willing to, who are wanting to start, um, you know, catering services or, um, you know, companies where they're serving food is just understanding the differences between that. And so that can be a really huge barrier. Um, the next piece of that is just understanding how to fall, how to file a limited liability corporation license Um, and that's a huge barrier it kind of seems like this airy fairy and it was to me too hence the two years Um, but it's like this airy fairy like oh I don't know how to do it like is it hard how much does it cost Um, and so my brother Luke introduced me to the one-stop shop rocket lawyer love them Um, super easy they'll do all of your filing for you Um, they're also go ahead and get you your EIN your employer identification number. Um, And so that's been a huge, huge help to a lot of people um, that were looking at kind of piecing things together themselves. It's, you know, we've got a subject matter expert, it's rocket lawyer, they can do all those little pieces for you. And so I think not necessarily like wrong, but I think that's a, a huge misunderstanding. It's just like, what is the process for actually filing and starting a limited liability corporation? So, one of the things I, I, I remember is that um, when you went to college, you went to college on the West Coast in California, mm-hmm. transferred um, back here to uh, to Texas. What was your major in college? Yes, people ask me that all the time because it has nothing to do with what I do for a living. Um, so in college, um, both at Pepperdine, which is, um, you know, where I started my college career and then finished at UT Arlington, um, was theater. And then I finished, actually wound up finishing with a double major in theater and Spanish. Okay. So you, you don't think that Spanish has some influence on what you're doing right now in terms of I, talking to people and... Yeah, I would say that. No, I definitely would say that because I think that, um, so first of all, I kind of like just learned Spanish by immersion, actually a combination. So growing up, um, we we had the opportunity to have Spanish teachers here and there, but I really didn't grasp the language until, um, you know, I was put into a situation where I was just around a lot of Spanish speaking individuals and I wanted the opportunity to be able to communicate and to be able to love them um, through communication. And so I really, I mean, I did everything I could um, picked up on all the slang first, of course, and then um, started really kind of perfecting the language. Um, so as you know, um, our parents were in ministry, and so a lot of the places where um, they planted churches and schools, there was a huge Spanish-speaking um, population. So even in St. Kitts and Nevis, where, you know, Queen's English is, um, native language is English, but there was a huge Dominican um, population and Puerto Rican population there, and just growing up and being around Um, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans picking up on the Spanish language and the dialects and things like that. Um, But it made me realize how much of a barrier there was when it comes to um, just understanding and building relationships because of a language. And you're 100% right, because I wouldn't have the impact and I wouldn't even, I don't think I would even venture out to serve the community in the way that I do now had I not had those experiences and had I not had I not even felt comfortable because there's a certain level of confidence that comes with building a relationship when you can't speak the language. So I can ask you, do you like it? I can't ask you, is it spicy? I can't ask for feedback, you know? And I, and, and that's like such a cool experience. I'll, I can't tell you, first of all, I'm black, I'm black American, right? And so anytime people hear me speaking Spanish, the first thing they're like, what? Like you speak Spanish? That's always happens all the time. But I cannot tell you how 
um, impactful it is and how much I've heard from people like, whoa, that's, that's just, it, it made them feel like they mattered when they taste my food and I hear them speaking in Spanish and I ask them in Spanish, you know, how do you like it? You know, what would you change about this dish? You know, um, you know, what is this, what does this dish mean to you or how do you make it? Do you make it a different way? And for them to be able to really have their voice heard. Um, and it's not just, you know, there's not a lack of confidence because it's not, you know, trying to speak a different language and communicate and, and all those funky things that get in between. It's literally just someone being able to have their voice heard. And I a thousand percent, you're right. I a thousand percent think that that impacts the work that I do. Okay. So, um, I'm going to go off on a, a little tangent here. Uh, okay. I want to um, ask you to play a game, and it's a, a word association game. So, oh, boy. Um, yeah, I want to say a word and say the first word that pops into your mind that associates with that. Uh, okay. For example, if I say fire, you would say water, but it's not exactly, you're not saying opposites, you're just saying the first word that pops into your mind. Got uh, it. Okay, so here we go. So, um, black. Lives. Um, success. Challenge. Opportunity. Problematic. Endeavor. Fast. Love. Life. Caring. Hope. Endurance. Struggle. Suffering. History. Okay, that that's it. That's the game. Oh, that's deep. That got deep real fast. Yeah, so, um, when I said success, you said challenge. I think challenge. Yeah. Um, why was that the first word to pop into your mind uh, when the topic of success came up? Because I feel like there's never. No, not that I feel like. From my own lived experience, I've never been successful at something that wasn't challenging. Um, and I think that, you know, success is such kind of a, a hot word. And um, success is equated with the word value. Like, unless it's successful, it's not valuable. Um, and I very much, I very much disagree. And I think for me, um, when I think about the word success, I think that it's a success because of all of the challenges that I've had and because I have approached these challenges and I've reworked and I've rethought and I've, I've, I've collaborated and I've, you know, broken down and tried it again and broken down again. Um, and that's ultimately how I achieve success. And, and in my mind, it's always like success is just like an ongoing process, right? There's no like, I'm successful now. It's like, this is a success. But how and why is because of the challenges that you've experienced along the way. And again, nothing that I'd say I've been successful in, um, even like we were just talking about learning Spanish, like that didn't come without its challenges. Everything um, that I think every success is built on challenges. What would you say is your, how would you rank your happiness level from uh, one being not so happy and 10 being very happy? I would say nine. Nine. Eight or nine. Eight or nine. Is that just because of current circumstances or would you say that that's like a... Um... I think it's because of current circumstances, but I think for me... Um, when I think about like happiness, I think about it's not just my happiness, but the people in my life and, and their happiness. Um, and when, you know, the people in my life are happy, um, then I'm happy. And I think right now, just, you know, our current global climate um, and just even our social justice climate, um, Whereas right now, in this very moment, I'm proud of you and I get a chance to participate in this podcast. I'm experiencing happiness. I think there's an overall lack of, of joy and, and happiness that I still believe can be attained as we work towards um, racial equity and, and battle some of the social justice things that come along. And, and I find a place, I feel like Meals or Love has a place in that. And I feel like, you know, every single day that we're committed to using whole ingredients to serve whole people and to touch whole hearts is a day that we're fighting um, 
social injustice. So would you say that your involvement with the community in doing meals are love? Uh, would you, by any chance, be interested in running for public office? You're the second person to ask me that. Really? Um, yes. And I I don't know. I would say God has a way of surprising me. Uh, five years ago, if you asked me, was I going to be doing meals or love? The answer would be no. Um, so you'll hear people say that, you know, you can't quote a sparkle, but you can describe it. And I would say that um, I'd have to see what God has in store. Um, while we are almost close, I have a couple more questions to, to ask you. Um, what would be your hopes for Meals or Love within the next year or so? Within the next year or so, um, I would like to have built societal trust within the Dallas community um, to where when anybody hears the name Meals or Love, they know that it's a company that's dedicated to quality and equity when it comes to the meals and the service to the Dallas community. Um, I'd like for people to be able to hear Meals or Love and stand behind the brand and know that um, we're committed to serving providing quality food for whoever we serve. I'd also like for people to trust us and knowing that every single time they buy a meal, they're also donating a meal to somebody um, who otherwise wouldn't be able to have access to that meal. Okay. And your involvement in the community is such that, can you go directly to different areas of uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, directly deliver meals to to people who are either homeless or people who are um, struggling? Yes, that's a great question. So um, based on the guidelines outlined by Housing and Urban Development, um, for, depending upon the size and the number of people you're feeding, you actually have to get permits to do that. And so what I do right now is I just partner with local organizations. Based on the guidelines by the Housing and Urban Development of Dallas, you have to, depending upon like the amount of people that you're serving, you have to have certain licenses and permits, and that's to protect those that you're serving and, and making sure that there's accountability for people that are serving those meals, um, you know, and making sure that you know health, um, health code regulations and things like that are being met. So what I do is I partner with local organizations that are already serving those populations. Um, and so, like for example, the Bridge Homeless Shelters, who we just recently delivered to. Um, and we have other partners that we're looking at partnering with um, in the Dallas area. Okay. So currently, how many people on your team? You said that you have um, Peter, you have Krista, you have you have Nick, Krista's husband, and you have uh, Peter's girlfriend, Alex. And so it's just, is it just the five of you guys that are working? So it's, so it's a growing team. Um, I'd say like officially on 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 the team is myself, uh, Peter, Krista, and then um, Luke does a lot of the advising for us. And then, um, you know, um, Krista's husband and my best friends and uh, other people, um, you know, they help and they help contribute and they'll help us sometimes with preparation and things like that. But really, that's the core team is myself, um, Peter, Krista, and Luke um, advises us. So um, how do you get people to to do uh, the tasks that are assigned to them in terms of uh, setting up? You said that you have to go to the pop-ups and you have to uh, set up your booth and then um, stay all day, take down your booth. How, how do you uh, assign those tasks to different people? So that's a very good question. And that's definitely something that we're still learning. Um, but for now, I think it's just about like where are people's skill sets best utilized and what do people enjoy doing? Um, because part of this too is, again, it's a startup, right? And so there's going to be um, a lot of input with very little um, opportunities <laughs> for, for output as we continue to grow. Um, but right now, it's just about figuring out what people like to do. So like, for example, I mentioned earlier, 
Um, Peter is amazing in the kitchen. Uh, he's a great chef. And so um, alongside myself, we're really great at cooking together. Krista is our baker. She makes all of our cookies, which is awesome. Um, and then we have people who also just enjoy, they love the idea of being able to meet new people and to take part in, in our goal and our, our opportunity to be able to serve the community as well. And so we have some people that just enjoy volunteering at our events. Um, we partnered with For the Culture, which is a local organization and event venue in Dallas. And we did an event where we um, served free brunch and we made uh, gave away free meals to the community for people who were registering to vote. And so um, that was a combination of my friends who volunteered and who were like, hey, like, you know, I, I love this idea and I love the opportunity to give back to the community. So I want to be a part of this specific event, right? Um, we also had people who donated to that event um, just because they knew that we were, it was going to be an opportunity to give back to the community. So it really just depends on like what people like to do. Um, again, for us, for the most part, it's myself, um, Krista and Peter, but then along the way, it's really, there's really no telling who's going to jump in and say, you know, hey, I'd love to volunteer this Saturday and help you out. Okay, well, um, thank you very much, Mary, for taking your time to talk with me. I know that over the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to get together um, and and things just haven't been correct. Nothing lined up, Wi-Fi and the blink and stuff. So I really appreciate you taking the time and, and being patient and talking with me today. Well, I appreciate you having me and I'm so, so proud of you and I'm proud of your podcast and everything that you're doing and just the, the awareness that you're bringing to um, all the success that a lot of our brothers and sisters are having. Okay, well, I have... One last question for you. If you were to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? Hmm. Don't forget, meals really are love and there are people on the other side of your decisions. Why that, uh, that, that last part, there are people on the other side of your decisions? I think... Um, Given our our current social media climate and um, you know just how much technology we have access to, it's really easy to hide behind screens and to hide behind um, you know um, text messages and just any any form of electronic communication. It's really easy to hide behind that and to not realize that the decisions that you're that you're making really impact the lives of other people. You know, um, the people that you're putting in office that impacts the lives of the other people, um, the decision that you make, um, and, you know, and whether or not you decide to recycle impacts the lives of other people. Um, every little, every little decision that you make, it's not about you. Um, you're not the only person in this world. You're not the only person in your community and every decision that you make impacts other people. Uh, well, thank you very much, Mary, for taking the time to talk with me today. And um, where can people go to learn more about you and your work? Yes, thank you for asking. Um, www.mealsarelove.com. Um, that's where you can keep up to date with all of the events that we're doing. Um, also, if you could follow us on Instagram, that would be amazing. Um, and it's just at Meals Are Love on Instagram. And then you can also follow us on Facebook, Meals Are Love on Facebook. And I'm excited to announce that we're going to be having some merchandise for purchase here soon. Um, our Who you who Are You Breaking Bread With t-shirts. And so uh, be on the lookout for those. We're excited to launch those um, in December. And so um, follow us on Instagram, find us online. And then if you just have any questions, again, like I said, it is a community thing. So if you have any questions or you're interested in starting um, a catering or a meal prep or a personal chef service, please, please reach out to us at mealsarelove at gmail.com. Okay, thank you. Oh, uh, one more thing. You said that you offer its virtual cooking classes. What can people yes. go to, to watch one of those too? Yes, definitely. So um, it is, you do have to pay to participate. And so um, you can request um, anything on our menu that you want to learn how to make. Um, and if you go to our website, there's a request form. So you can submit that request. Every now and again, we do have just uh, events that are uh, virtual events that are open to the community. So we just did one recently um, in partnership with another organization that highlights um, Black entrepreneurs. And so uh, we all learned how to make sweet potato cheesecake together. 
And anytime we have any of our free events, again, we post those on our Instagram, we post those on Facebook, we also post it on um, our website. So again, as long as you're plugged in and you're following us on one of those avenues, you'll, you'll be up to date on all the things that we're doing. That sounds wonderful. Is it a personal one-on-one uh, cooking session or is it a group cooking session? So it depends. So um, a lot of the free the free ritual cooking lessons that we do are open to the community. So it's literally just, it could be anybody, um, up to 100 participants. Um, but sometimes, depending upon if you request a, a one-on-one, you can do a one-on-one. Um, I think we've got a few snippets of some virtual cooking classes I did with some kids um, who requested um, like some one-on-one classes. I know we also have some other recordings on our website of um, some adults doing one-on-one classes. So it really just depends. Um, but you can request one one we can request for a group we've done birthday parties we've done bachelorettes bridal showers all kinds of things oh it sounds wonderful it sounds delicious uh mary tillman young my sister thank you very much for being on the black gold podcast i hope to see you sometime soon (laughs) yes thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation. So the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY Midweek Newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for the MTY Midweek Wednesday Newsletter below.